The following is a presentation of Dating Kinky, built by Kingsters for Kingsters, Poly, Queer, Trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. Featuring personalities as their authentic selves, this is What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. It's an intimate conversation with people inside the kink and fetish worlds, as well as educators, sex-positive personalities, and other amazing people sharing their stories of what makes them who they are. And now, here is our own wonderful human with the questions, John or as he is known around the kink and fetish community. Hi there, Catsuit. In September of 2020, I set out on a journey to discover how people made connections with each other. And now, two years later, we begin our third season of the show as we give personalities and everyday people in our beautiful lifestyle the opportunity to share their authenticity and stories with us. Looking at the human behind the character, the joys behind the passion, and what makes us all who we are now. This year, we will be bringing you more in-person interviews, some video editions of the show, and more of the personalities that you resonate with. The kink and fetish world is a beautiful sea of humans of all kinds who live deeply in what brings them joy. This season, I promise you the great interviews you've come to expect with questions asked not by a guy, but as an ever-evolving human who seeks answers to life's most interesting revelations. Let's take this journey together and see where it leads. And we begin our journey in season three with a personality who came across our television screens as a teenager on a soap opera and a highly rated sitcom and grew up to grace our computer screens in a uniquely authentic way now. Southern California born and bred, Maitland Ward has become one of the fastest rising stars in adult entertainment after an already successful career as an American model, actress, and cosplay personality. The star who joined the cast of The Bold and the Beautiful as a teen, found fame as Rachel McGuire on the beloved ABC sitcom Boy Meets World, jumped headfirst into shooting adult films in 2019 without much persuasion. The five foot 10 statuesque all natural redhead is unique in that not only is she beautiful and built for the porn biz, Ward's talent as an actress means she can also carry dramatic and comedic scenes with ease. 
Her playful energy, professionalism, and open sexuality got her an exclusive performance contract with a worldwide brand, Vixen Media Group. Ward is currently the highest paid industry site performer, earning $5,500 a day through her contract with VMG, with the longest running contract terms in the industry. She is also the sole promotional face of that VMG brand, Deeper, a highly respected studio that has afforded her many industry honors. And this month, she releases her memoirs entitled Rated X, How Porn Liberated Me from Hollywood, a very personal story of a star in the making that decided to catch a rocket ship into a new world one that has made her happy and empowered to share her talent to an appreciative audience. Maitland Ward on what women and other wonderful humans want. They are the questions that establish the story. Five questions about firsts, bringing back the genesis of the character behind the human. It's the first five and it starts now. First time you ever set foot on a set, and how did you feel? Uh, the first time I set foot on a set would be when I got cast on The Bold and the Beautiful. I got a contract role very, very quickly on my second audition. So that's officially, I've been on, like I've been to see TV shows when I was younger because I grew up, oh, sorry, I grew up in the Los Angeles area. So I would, yeah, I'd be around that kind of stuff. So um, but the first time I actually set foot as an actress doing, you know, something performing was when I was just starting out on bold and beautiful and high junior year in high school. And, uh, that was a whirlwind experience because I had been such a fan growing up of soap operas and I was, you know, that was just such a dream for me and to get it in high school so quickly was amazing. So I, um, cause I had taken it an acting workshop with Christy Dooley, who was the casting director of Bold and Beautiful. And she still is, I believe. <laughs> she still was recently. Mm -hmm. But um, uh, she, you know, kind of saw me and I tell the story in the book about uh, how I got the audition and the process of that. And then it was just like, wow, I was all of a sudden you know, like one of my favorite people on soap operas, you know, that must be kind of like what you felt in the fetish community. And all of a sudden they're coming on your show and you're excited about it. And I was seeing people that I had watched, you know, growing up, although I, I didn't watch bold and beautiful days was my show. Mm -hmm. And, and before that as the world turns, but I did watch the very first episode of bold and beautiful. Cause I was sick from school that day. And I just thought it was cool that, Oh, I'm watching the first episode of a soap ever. And it was funny that I was cast all those like, years later. So um, yeah, it was a, it was a crazy thing to walk on to a soap set, especially when I had been a fan to see the whole like town and community and all the sets that I was familiar with. And I was like acting on them. So it was wild. <laughs> First time anybody ever said to you, Maitland, you could be a star. I, I, my parents, when I was younger, and also an acting teacher, uh, a few acting teachers. I talk about it in the book a little bit, but um, uh, I took like acting like workshops, and they they were like, "She's." I don't know if they said star exactly. Well, success, I guess, as an actress. 
and they, everybody put stardom in my eyes because, uh, you know, that was such a big, important thing to be. And I watched movie stars and I watched the soap stars and I watched all of these, you know, larger than life people that I just, I really wanted to be like, but I think the acting teacher really, when I did these little um, classes in the community and we did a little community theater and things like that said, I was really natural at it. And like most of the kids really like try to perform and I kind of just did it. Like I was, I think also when I was young, I've always been a talented mimicker. So if I'm around somebody, I can do impersonations. I like, I can't just like say, oh, I'm going to do an impersonation of so-and-so right now. Like I don't have them in my wheelhouse, but if I'm with you for a period of time, or I watch something for a period of time, or I can, I, I can really kind of mimic it in the way in my own way you mm -hmm. know so I think that's part of being an actor so I always knew I mean I did when I was young make really young like five years old or something five six whatever seven we did like Star Wars movies <laughs> in my yard with my dogs and my neighbors and my friends and we would do like um I was Princess Leia mm -hmm. always I always wanted to be Princess Leia and my Springer Spaniel Kate was chewy because she had brown hair and like big ears that look like it could be like chewy fur. <laughs> um, yeah. And so we would play that out. And I, one time, you know, I got the neighbors to, you know, just play on in all this thing, you know, so it was really fun. And my friends and I would make movies as a kid too, just make up different sketches. And I just loved the art of filmmaking mm -hmm. and performing. And it was just fun to me. Like I used to watch Three's Company reruns when I was a little girl and I just loved the physical comedy. And I know that like, so inspired me for comedy later in life. I was just such a fan of Jack Tripper and, and Janet and like everything. I just loved that style. So I know that set that up. And I think when we're talking about the mimicking qualities, when I tried out for The Bold and the Beautiful, I think the reason I got the job, not the only reason, but it, it influenced the reason was I knew how a soap scene went. Mm -hmm. And I remember Bill Bell, who is one of the genius creators of soaps. He's, he's long gone right now. Um, he, uh, he died, I think in the nineties, but after I was on, but um, he, when I was in my audition, not the final screen test, but when I did like a reading for them, um, he was at the end of it was like, that was wonderful. And it wasn't the fact that, Oh, you're the acting. It was just that I knew what the the whole genre was, I got it. And I think a lot of people didn't like, they didn't pay attention to soaps or when they came in or, you know, they weren't like fans or they, and they didn't think like soaps sometimes get brushed aside. Like it's not a big deal, but I thought it was a huge deal and I loved it. And I think that really came through in the whole thing. So and in the sitcom stuff too, I, cause I love sitcom and physical comedy. So. <laughs> the first time a starry eyed boy came up and asked you for your autograph that would have to be in my soap days um I'm trying to think the very first time oh I remember I was I don't know I don't quote me on the very very first time I might have forgotten somebody will come back and say oh, I was your first. <laughs> I remember getting my first fan letter at the bull and the beautiful and I and it was it was a guy and he was very sweet. I mean, I was a very sweet, innocent kind of character. So it wasn't going to be the same kind of reaction, even that I got on Boy Meets World or that I got, uh, of course, later on. But um, I, I was so, because I didn't think I was like cute or like I was very self-conscious. And so to see somebody like, oh, I, I love you. I'm just in love with you. 
it was so, it was just, it was fun, but it was, it was scary too. I mean, I wasn't, I didn't know how to react. I was just so young and naive, um, but I loved getting my fan letters and stuff. It was a little weird when like, we had a lot of prisoners write us. So I was like a lot, but actually they were super nice. I, I, I salute my prison community that wrote me <laughs> because they were all pretty nice and they watched the show like religiously every day. So it was, it was an out, it was an outlet for them. And like, so um, I'm always happy to be that for somebody like entertainment that like kind of takes you out of the craziness of the world or the world you're in and you can enjoy it. So um, yeah. So I think that that's first, but we did have a fan club gathering for the show hmm. and I remember seeing the people and, the line of like fans and stuff to get my autograph. And I was just like, Oh my God, I just like got into this world. And I used to be that kind of person to mm-hmm. want to see people and like, or write fan letters or whatever. They don't have fan letters as much anymore because of the internet. You just go on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> the first time you went onto the set of boy meets world and realized this is a different world. Um, I guess it would be the first day that I went on, but I think a little before that, because I actually had auditioned. I had done a couple sitcoms too. I'd done um, Home Improvement Mm -hmm. and I'd done um, USA High. I'd done those kinds of, so I'd been on a sitcom set. Actually, I could say the first time when I went on Home Improvement, that was like a Mm well-oiled machine there. So that was pretty wild to be on a show that was so like known. And, um, And it was just like, yeah, just so popular. Um, even for just one week to be on, it was interesting to learn everything about it. But um, when I went on the Boy Meets World set, it was it was also a very well-oiled machine, even though they started out very young. Of course, they were kids. And I was coming in during the college years when they were like making that kind of friends thing that was going on at that mm-hmm. time. Uh, so we were kind of all going to be kind of a friends group. Um, so I had auditioned for another show, Zoe, Duncan, Jack and Jane, that Selma Blair got. And, but it was for the producer of Boy Meets World. So mm-hmm. he was producing that pilot that, so it was uh, me and Selma at the end, but when I didn't get it, uh, Michael Jacobs, the producer, he, um, he had gave me a holding deal through Disney. So I was kind of, it's where I was kind of around the set before I actually was the first day because I had this holding deal. So I'd come to the studio, but I, I remember just it being such a, like, I was, I was nervous. It was so exciting though, to be like on a primetime show with like a group. I was nervous to be with everybody. And I remember when I first, um, like my first week, not the first day, but the first tape, tape night, mm-hmm. uh, Ben came up and, and the cast said, okay, you have to do this hazing ritual kind of thing. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, in front of this audience, when they do your introductions, like on a sitcom for a live audience, they'll do the introductions of the cast. Mm-hmm. And of course, this is my first introduction to an audience. Nobody knew like who I was yet or anything. Um, so I was, they're like, I was like, what do you, what do you have to do? And I wanted to make an impression. And they were all like, we were all standing backstage, the whole cast. And, um, and he's like, you're going to have to, you know, sing this song. And they gave me this crazy song like, <laughs> to sing. And I was like, oh, my God, I have to remember this and everything. And finally, they were like, just kidding. This is just sweet. We have to do this to everyone coming in. But they, they were like telling me, yeah, I did my song when I first came on. You should have seen what like Matt would say. And and um, yeah, and Danielle and stuff. It was funny. It was, it was very funny, that hazing experience. But 
but they, it was very much a tight group of a family situation. I mean, Michael was very much, Michael Jacobs, the producer was very much the father figure of everybody on Boy Meets World, both good and bad. I mean, you know, relationships with fathers are interesting, <laughs> so, but there, but it was, it was, it was everything. It was like a family dynamics, you know, but um, that was very interesting for me to come in as a new person. So um, yeah. So I think that was where I really realized, you know, I'm part of this thing. Although we didn't realize at the time that it was such a popular show and, and so like loved by the, these, you know, young people growing up with the show. Uh, and we wouldn't realize that till much, much, much mm-hmm. later because we didn't have Twitter and, and internet like we do now, of course. And all we would know is if you were out in public and somebody recognized you or you were in a ma- teen magazine or, you know, but the, or got fan letters. But mm-hmm. um, we would find out later that it was just a cult phenomenon. <laughs> the first moment you looked in the mirror or looked at a picture or something sparked you to say, it's time to make a change? I would say there's never been one moment, I don't think. It was just an accumulation of moments. I mean, there have been times that where the shift has been made, like like more dramatically, where I said finally, but it was all a building point throughout my life about like, especially finding my truth and finding who I was and who I wanted to be. And it definitely with exploring my sexuality and how, how that would affect my career and what I, the kinds of things I wanted to do and perform. Um, I'd say the biggest shift probably was, and I talk a lot about this in my book, it, it was going into porn, but, or doing my own content and stuff, probably like when I realized I could make my own content and have an audience without Hollywood having to tell me what I can and can't do. So I think that was a huge moment for me. And it was like, I had been trying for so long. And uh, basically there was a point where I like moved to New York. I got married and I thought I, and I took up writing. I was really into like erotic writing and I took screenwriting. I went to UCLA for a couple of years and I really like believed I would write something or just be a writer. And cause it was, I loved, or I'd write a movie for myself or something, but then girl meets world came around the spinoff of boy meets world and a lot of interest in the show and in the cast, you know, came around with that. And social, my social media was kind of just starting to develop, but along the way I made a conscious decision that I didn't want to just live in my past uh, like it was a wonderful experience overall. And I have fond memories. I have not fond memories. I have a lot of memories, <laughs> but it's kind of like if you went to high school or college and you, you had, you know, a wonderful, full, rich experience. Mm-hmm. And then you're like, you don't want to do that for the rest of my life. I don't want to like, I want to do something different. And I was so like, so frustrated that I couldn't do something different and do the kind of stuff I wanted to do because people would only see me as this one thing. So I always credit social media and my fans when I presented myself and I decided like, I'm not, I'm going to present myself in an authentic way. And I'm going to present myself as, you know, in my truth and what I want to do. So I started like, even against the advice of publicists and Disney and um, Michael and all these people, uh, I 
just started to do my my thing. I did sexy cosplay. I like taking bikini photos. I like doing gimmicky stuff. I like, and I thought, oh, you know what? If nobody follows me, fine, whatever. I'm just having fun here. But I started accumulating a really big following over time. And I didn't realize how much it would affect my career because I I did I did stuff that I did like for free, except for like, you know, Comic-Con stuff and like- mm-hmm. I didn't sell content at that time. Mm-hmm. And I didn't really think that anybody would buy. It. Like I I thought, oh, they like what I do and it's a social media follow. Maybe I can get a sponsors here and I could do Comic-Cons and I can do that. And Comic-Con career was actually, uh, I didn't realize that I could have a career with that dressing up like I like to have fun. Um, but the audience responded. And I remember I kept getting kicked off of social media uh, because um, they might see something too sexy or whatever. <laughs> And my fans were just, they said, well, why don't you just start content? And I didn't even know what that was, content. I'm like, okay, I could sell sexy pictures. And I think that's a real turning point when I signed up for a Patreon account where people are your patrons of the arts or whatever you're doing. It's the arts pretty much. But I was the adult arts because I was going to be nude, like boobs, Playboy type pictures, sexy cosplay. That's that's kind of when I'm going to do that again. So. Yeah, Playboy type pictures and sexy cosplay. And I, um, overnight, like I just didn't even tell anybody about it. Like I, that I signed up for a Patreon account. I kind of was just doing that. And then the next morning, like I had 20 people signed up. And then by the week's end, I had like oh, thousands of people like subscribing to my content. And I became like the number one adult creator right then. So that's when I knew. That's kind of like a switching point where I really knew that, <laughs> that, people were wrong that they would want to see me sexy. And that, that was the start of the evolution of my journey. And it's cool because my fans have really been there every step of the way of when I've been exploring. So <laughs> we have just started the journey with Maitland Ward, the author of rated X. And we're going to talk a little bit about the book and we're going to talk about the journey that brought her to her authentic self when we return on What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want. We do this show without paid advertisers and provide it to you as a labor of love. If you want to help the show, as well as contribute to Catsuit's conference fund to get live interviews and teach some amazing classes, you can give at bit.ly slash thanks, Catsuit. Now let's hear from some of Catsuit's friends with some messages for you. Hi, Dawn. Hi, Dan. Recently, we put together a brand new book called Hearts and Collars, reflecting 20 years in a power exchange relationship. It's 350 pages of what we've been living for the past 20 years. Indeed, and it's got chapters like communication, power exchange and spirituality, how to be a leader, high protocol, becoming a follower, rituals, the new porch time, victim, survivor and thriver, power exchange and polyamory, submissive versus wife, the practical contract guide, relationship shorthand, as well as other tools and experiences we've had over the years. Check it out at eroticawakening.com slash hearts and collars. Bye, Dan. Bye, Dawn. Have you ever wanted to try something a little kinky in the bedroom but had no idea where to start? Or maybe your partner just told you they're into water sports. No, not the jet ski kind. And you really want to fulfill their fantasy, but you're nervous. That's totally normal. I'm Kate Sloan. 
I'm a sex journalist who's talked about kink in magazines like Cosmo, Playboy, and Glamour, and on my podcast, The Dildorks. My new book, 101 Kinky Things Even You Can Do, is a guide to some of the hottest and best-known kinks out there, from age play to zapping and everything in between. Each section offers three suggestions for ways you can try out your new interest with a partner or even by yourself. Curious? Order your copy now at 101kinkythings.com and start learning new things about your sexuality. We invite you to connect with us on social media so you can follow all the great news about the show. You can find us on Twitter at WhatWomenWantP1, on Instagram at WhatWomenWantPodcast, and on FetLife at WWWPodcast. And if you want to follow the host, that's easy as on Twitter, Instagram, and FetLife, he is Hi There Catsuit. And now back to What Women and Other Wonderful Humans Want, presented by Dating Kinky. Welcome back to the program. I'm John, also known as Hi There Catsuit, joined by Maitland Ward, the author of Rated X, How Porn Liberated Me from Hollywood. Maitland, we have seen so many stories of how Hollywood has tried to overpower women, and you have taken your power back. Oh, I love that you say that. Thank you. I I really, I know I see there's so many times that Hollywood and the people in charge in Hollywood want to compartmentalize women, especially women uh, in film and television. They really want you to see you as a certain thing. And I know like coming from like the early 2000s and late 90s, there was a very weird time for girls and women because you were expected to be like sexy, but then virginal. It was like mm-hmm. that Brittany and Jessica Simpson and all that stuff was like really starting at that point. And it was, it was a, it was a tough time. And, um, and over the years, like Hollywood just keeps trying to keep you in a box. Uh, and I think that that's true for a lot of, a lot of things in life, a lot of industry. And, um, but I really, I don't know if I, I didn't actually set out to take my power back. I was just like, I need to do this stuff. I couldn't, I couldn't just let them control me or let them, you know, tell me what to do. So I was like, I don't care anymore. I want to do my stuff. I want to just, as long as I am happy with myself and I'm happy with my life, I, that's what I chose to do. And then along the way, I felt really felt my power coming back. And it's, it's amazing for me to look back on it because if you would have said a person or a, you know, a star from a 90s sitcom on TGIF, did porn you would think oh my god she's you know she's desperate and she's you know lost her way in the world but you would never have thought that this star would do porn and get her acting career back the way she wanted get her writing career i mean writing a book and columns and script stuff and everything and have more respect from people so i think a lot of like what we're told about you know the rules that we must follow and the, the pr- people we should be is actually really bullshit. <laughs> you need to be who you are. And I think it's really interesting because along the way, when I started out, I was trying to be nice and fit myself into the mold that they wanted me in. And at first they loved it and I was successful at it. 
but then they get tired of that. And then, they, but they still want to keep you there. They don't want you to like try anything else. They just want, mm, just stay there. We don't need you anymore. So I was just so frustrated with that along the way. And I kept trying to put myself in that box. And I just, after a while, I just had to break out of it. And once I could discover like the path that I wanted to take and the things that I wanted to do, that's when it really opened up to me. And I always find it interesting that when, when I was trying to be nice and fit in that box, less people noticed me or gave me respect, especially mm. like after my fame on the shows and everything like later years, middle years, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but then when I like on social media and I really have social media on my fans and the press to uh, think because they gave me a platform to express who I was and to do stuff I wanted to do. And once I started to be really authentic about myself and to be honest about who I was and just have fun and be, be who I am. That's when people really started to respond. And I think that's a lesson that everybody can really learn in life and anything. I think people really respond to authenticity and, you know, um, that's a, that's a powerful energy to have. So live in that truth. Yeah. I have noticed in the interviews that I watched as I was getting ready to do this particular interview Mm -hmm. and the short snippets from like TMZ or entertainment tonight like shows sure. that there's a lot of respect for you. It's not like you hear most people like, how dare you move over to that industry? But very much it comes from a place of you are pretty damn courageous to do this. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing to me. I mean, I was told by both mainstream people and porn people, and I hate saying that. I, it's the way to differentiate the industries, but I hate saying that because mainstream, what is mainstream? What is porn? I mean, we're all humans and doing our work and having fun. But um, uh, I just think it's just an interesting thing with the respect that I'm given. And I am, I, like I said, I, who would have thought doing porn, you get more respect. And I have to say, when I first did that, I was going to say mainstream and porn um, people, that's what I was getting into. Mm -hmm. Both warned me about like the press coming down on me and everybody saying how desperate I was. And like, I, you know, I was impoverished and I was needing, you know, just, I was crazy or on drugs or something, Mm. but I still, I didn't believe I was like, no, if I get that out there, if I get my truth out there and stuff, you know, I think that people will respond because my fans have responded. And I was floored by just like by the press, how positive it was. And everybody was floored. Like people in porn were just like, what? We've never seen this before. Um, Usually they would just try to tear apart a Disney actress. But I think it also came from the fact that I was courageous, but I was living my truth. I was, I wasn't ashamed of anything. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of people play into the shame and I don't, sometimes it's set up because they want to have a sex tape and they want to sell it and they want to you know, kind of distance themselves from it, but also get fame off of it. So that Mm -hmm. happens a lot with celebrities (laughs) to try to do that. But I wasn't trying to do that. And uh, then there's, you know, it's just, I think just the fact that I am proud of what I do. I was courageous in what I did and I was just doing what I wanted to do. And I had no fucks given because I think people are told, especially women are told a lot. You can't do this. You can't do that. You have to be like this. You have to live up to these standards and do this. And and it's like, at one point I'm just like, and I know every woman wants to just say, let's take off the bra and just, <laughs> just kick back and be ourselves, you know? 
the standards that we're expected to live by and, and are set up by people who don't want you to succeed anyway. So like, that's what I learned along the way. Like me being nice and pleasing people wasn't going to get me anywhere because they weren't interested in helping me. They were interested in keeping me in my place. And I think that's a lesson that everyone can learn uh, through any industry or part of life, <laughs> you know? Men approach this in one way, women approach it in another. And that is how to, quote, control a situation. Men, it almost seems as though they want to control the situation for what they want. Women right. seem to want to control the situation for what's best for them as a person and the people around them. Now, sure, right. you have exceptions. You will have catty women from time to time or people who sure. don't agree with each other. But when you took your power back, you decided that the voice was going to be yours. The imagery was going to be yours, that you had all this art that was ready to be made. That's when you were, quote, liberated from Hollywood. Yes, absolutely. You totally hit the nail on the head there. Um, it was really like when I finally saw, especially when I first started selling my content, it was so empowering that I could make my own product. I could do things how I thought they should be done. And I could, I could reach the audience how I wanted to reach them and perform and everything. And I was a success at it immediately. And that was really, really like, it was liberating. That was mm -hmm. really liberating. And it also, but it, it got me, you know, wanting to try more and to explore more because I did like, I mean, I was always a bit of an exhibitionist or I, I wanted to be when I was younger, I was too nervous <laughs> to be, but as I grew up, I liked the exhibitionism. I did the comic cons and those little skimpy things. And I got kicked out of some, <laughs> and I did body paint walking down the street and totally nude, but <laughs> Uh, so I did, I love those kinds of things and I love these kind of sexy setups, but as I got more and more into it, I was like, well, I want to try, like, let's do girls, girls. And I love girls. And I was like, this would be fun to explore that side of it. And then eventually, you know, it, it expanded. And like I said, my, my fan base was watching it as it was happening in my life. And as I was totally evolving, so it's all on video and stuff. So it's, that's pretty exciting there. Um, that that they were able to like come along with me on this journey. And I feel like they still are, they're still on this journey with me. And then that, that all of my content stuff led me to, you know, meeting Caden Cross and Dixon and, and being the face of branddeeper.com, which uh, it was always like, as I was doing my content, it was always a dream of mine to have a really great script. And then that I could really act in and it would be like a real film. And then we could also have hot sex. That was always my dream. And so when Caden's script for the movie drive came along, I was like, wow, this is exactly what I wanted to do. This is like, I'm reading a, I'm reading like an independent film or, you know, like something really substantial. And the character I would play was really fun and, and dramatic and, you know, just diabolical. And uh, it was something that I had never been given the chance to play. And I found I was like good at it. And I, I liked being that kind of this mistress kind of character. Um, and then, you know, the rest was history from there. And I just 
I get to um, just play those kind of roles and do full feature films with sex and with acting. And, you know, we do 15 hour days filming. We just, you know, wrapped a feature that we, uh, we did, we worked so hard on and I'm very proud of. And it's, yeah, it's just everything that I had wanted, but yeah. <laughs> As you and Caden had collaborated on this, it brings to mind when I had some, what I would call mainstream porn, which sounds so strange in this particular I know, and it's, it's really weird. Yeah, the whole mainstream, mainstream porn, then yes. there's the gonzo kind of porn, <laughs> and it's like, and then the OnlyFans, it's, it's just all work. It's all performing. <laughs> but what I've heard is that when men write and direct their porn, it is for a certain solution and outcome. But that when women do it, it's more about the journey. I think I think that's very true. Um, and I have primarily worked with Caden on on this. I mean, I have worked with a couple other male directors. Um, but it is very true. It's about the journey. And I think it's it's I think it's much sexier. And I think I think guys really respond to it. I think actually women creating porn is much better because women know how to you know, entice men and to get them turned on and to, you know, like, you know, attraction thing. They, they know mm -hmm. all that stuff. So it's, I think it's much better. And I think it's, there's so many women who direct porn. There's so many women who are like producing and creating porn. So I think people still think of that stereotype of like some seedy old guy, like, you know, smoking a cigarette, watching an orgy and jerking off at the same time. <laughs> and it does not happen. But I think that's an interesting point about how men are. Yeah, they generally would be more mindful of like a certain outcome, which we all know what that outcome is. But <laughs> which but women, they want to entice all of your senses, I guess. And I mm -hmm. now I was taught in writing and screenwriting and stuff. Um, an interesting thing, and I kind of take it in my acting and in my porn too, it's if, and in, definitely in my writing, um, you need to entice all of the senses because if you're just enticing like sight, it doesn't give this full, you know, enjoyment of the situation, uh, but you need like, you know, sound and, and taste and, you know, the scent, just all the senses. And it's not like when you're reading or watching, you can smell what's going on, but you can but you're giving, you really can, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You can imagine what it's going to be like. So I think when you're for a good performer, it's really important to, you know, paint the picture overall for, mm -hmm. you know, all of the senses. <laughs> One part of your book that caught my eye and I was only, I wasn't able to read the whole thing because I actually just got a hold of it uh, earlier today, but I did go oh through gosh. it and <laughs> One thing was about a project that you and Caden had where you had texted something to Caden and Caden said, you are the muse. Yes. And your character in muse is based on elements of your real life persona. Yes. What was it like taking that persona and creating I don't know if it was a more amplified version of you or yeah, what. It's, more, it's a more amplified right. version. And then you know, my, yeah, that persona. And then also the the other character I play a lot is Mistress Maitland, mm -hmm. which is my very devious side. But 
the muse, I, yeah, I mean, muse, that was more, more me. Cause I mean, cause it was, she's mistress gets, you know, she's stringing people up by their toes and stuff like, <laughs> but, um, I think it was interesting when we made muse, the first muse, um, it was in the heat of the pandemic. It was like July, 2020 and we had just come off of lockdown and we had to get this thing made in a, in such a timely way but in like in a short condensed we didn't know we were going to be shut down again mm -hmm. uh, and also we had to test covid test every single day we had all of this stuff so Caden actually came up with the script in in, in a, only like four days we were going to do another kind of script but then like she said you're, you're my muse and she thought of a whole thing with me being like the muse <laughs> mm -hmm. but um yeah I used elements of my life I was in the in the script I'm a college professor who teaches sexual psych sexuality and psychology of sexuality and um I'm trying to prove if porn is art and that's much what I and Caden we were trying to prove ourselves um so it was kind of like you know our way of proving that porn will be art and my character proving it as well. So um, it was, it's just a great character. And we actually did two seasons of Muse, uh, two, you know, back-to-back -back seasons. Mm -hmm. And I really got to explore a lot of like my dramatic side and, and just really, my character was very broken and emotional, but then also empowered and strong. And I loved that uh, she had all of those feelings and not just she's strong or she's, she's weak. She's everything. She is strong and she's successful, but she's also broken and needs love, but doesn't want to, you know, submit to anybody, but needs that submission. Mm -hmm. it, it, she just had a lot of very, very interesting qualities to her. And I loved playing out all of those scenes with, I like, I had a three page monologue straight talking about, you know, just like society. I, it was just, it was amazing. I really loved the whole script and, and that she would, she always calls me her muse. <laughs> she did in real life before that it's like yeah and then she really said to me you were my muse and I was like the rest was history there <laughs> when we come back on what women and other wonderful humans want we're going to go deeper to discover who <laughs> mistress Maitland is <laughs> when we come back You all know I love my cat suits, and the ones that have never let me down come from the amazing Winter Fetish. I've had some of them for 10 years, and they're still going strong. Specifically made for fetish play, these suits come in only the best spandex or PVC with zippers made for action. You've seen them in the House of Lord, and it's always sunny in Philadelphia, and now these suits can be yours. And if you use the code www.spandexcat, you get 10% off your purchase and you support the show as well. And as always, I give you this promo because I believe in what Winter Fetish does. So visit winterfetish.com and use the promo code www.spandexcat and get the cat suit of your dreams from Winter Fetish. Hi there, I'm Nookie. My pronouns are she, hers, and I'm the founder of Dating Kinky, a different kind of dating and educational site for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. Catch me in my own podcast, Dating Kinky. And now back to John and their guest on What Women 
and other wonderful humans want. Welcome back to the program. I'm John, also known as Hi There Catsuit, joined by Maitland Ward, who sometimes is known in deeper places as Mistress Maitland. Tell me how that character came about. Is it a part of you? It definitely is a part of me. Um, She's she well yes that definitely is a part of me and it's a way that i can express that part of me in a in a in a more sensible safe way like i feel like born a lot of a lot of uh, my experience in it is i've wanted to experience so much of the the elements of porn but in real life i i don't know if i could like like huge orgies like you know and like you know dps and and all this stuff in in the same controlled and safe and professional way i don't know i just i feel like it's been really a great way to you know spread my wings and other things (laughs) but no but like to be able to test my limits and and feel you know comfortable you know with doing new more acrobatic crazy you know bdsm all sort of things Mm -hmm. but mistress maitland really came about because of uh, the first movie we did drive i played basically i played angela white he was a huge porn star her uh sexual alter ego so and there's a there's a long twisted journey but i am like the uh the person an embodiment and personification of her sexuality and i am actually leading her down this very debaucherous path and like to her find her own sexuality um so I'm like the instigator of her finding the deepest, darkest, most twisted, most satisfying places inside of her. In, um, so I, I was very mistressy in that. And I think that's where Caden got the idea to write a character that was very, you know, a dominatrix, but not in the traditional sense. I mean, sometimes, I mean, I do do, you know, a little caning and flogging and, and tying up and all that kind of stuff. But it was more of a, a an intellectual dominatrix, mm-hmm. like a very like psychological dominatrix. Like she's very and a very uh, a woman who pretty who knows what she wants and she goes after it and she has no apologies for it. She just is proud. Like she just and I'm proud of her, but like she's so like in who she is and what she wants and what she's doing. She's never ashamed or uh embarrassed or or she never is a wallflower you know or is weak to anybody uh she that's with a little difference between um my character and muse because muse is she's more like of a like every woman all of her uh, personnel but we like for mistress maitland it's just so cool to play a character that just does everything i mean i like I drive a Rolls Royce around town and I pick up girls for my husband to like, you know, do whatever he wants with or, you know, like, and then if they can like out fuck him, they get the car. <laughs> like it was just his car. <laughs> and like, I have had these Dobermans and like, I would like, I just would, I'm just somebody who like just picks up people and like ties them in a dungeon. It's just, you can just do all this fun stuff in this world and just have no apologies about it. So yeah, it's a, it's a it's a twisted like dominatrix piece of me inside that I get to just have the most delicious fun with in these scripts. So it's it's very fun. And people really love Mistress Maitland character too. I get a lot of requests on like OnlyFans and stuff to do like just to talk like Mistress Maitland because you're just like I, you know, and she's very intense. And it's kind of funny because um 
I'll do scenes with people and sometimes they actually get scared when I'm talking to them. <laughs> like in this, even in the sex, I'll look, cause I, I keep going. I keep the character throughout it all. Like, mm -hmm. Throughout it all. So I'll be like, yeah, you like, you get down there and you do this. And I'll just, I'll just be in there. And I get very intense and they're like, <laughs> like I had one person, I walked by one person one time and I just kind of like looked like this and I was, you know, and they're like, oh, I'm scared. <laughs> You're going to hurt me. I'm like, no, I just, I'll hurt you in a nice way. <laughs> we have talked to some amazing dominatrixes from Southern California. Have you ever met with any of them just to say, you got any pro tips for me? Uh, I, one of my first, uh, shoots and a couple shoots that I, se several shoots I did for my Patreon account was I actually went to the dungeon and did different things with people. Mm -hmm. And one, um, one that I did was funny because right before I took the plunge and did my first blow job scene, uh, for my own, uh, content, uh, I did like a couple days before did, uh, a little dungeon thing and I got caned. And I liked the caning. Mm. I liked it, but I ended up with a bruise the size of like Oklahoma mm -hmm. on my butt. And I remember I had to go to the shoot to do my blow job. And I'm like, um, yeah. And it was a, a very professional, wonderful guy. Uh, and who works in the industry. And I was so, I was like, I have this bruise on my butt. And he like totally understood. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it was so funny that that was, I would, I didn't realize that I would get that big of a bruise, but it was, it was a very enjoyable experience. And um, yeah, I've had, I've, I've known dominatrix. So yeah, around the business and before. And so, yeah, I always enjoy a pro tip or two. <laughs> I can almost picture you going to DomCon, which is there in Los Angeles. I would love and to do that. Well, maybe next year, 2023. Maybe next year. Yes, I think that'd be really fun. That'd be really fun. And that might be a place where we might actually meet. And that would, oh, be, that would lovely. be great. That would be great. I want to <laughs> talk about two more things before we wrap up. Okay. Number one is the book. Obviously, we've been talking about things that are in the book. How much of a joy was it to get it all down on paper? Oh my God. It was such an amazing experience. It was cathartic. It was, uh, it was fun. It was hard. It was, but I just love writing so much. And I, uh, I just, just getting it down at the, when I wrote my last page and the last things, I was just like, I can't believe I wrote a book. Like, and I know a lot of people in Hollywood, they get ghostwriters or I wrote every word of this. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I had amazing editor, but I was, it was just such a, such an accomplishment just to be able to write all of the, your life into a book. It's, it's like nothing I'd ever experienced. And I really enjoyed going on the journey with myself, I guess, again, like, mm -hmm. especially looking back when I was so young and the things, the decisions I made and the relationships that I had and the both work and personal and just seeing myself back then and how I've grown and what my journey was. Cause I don't think I, along the way, I'd really taken the time to appreciate how far I had come and how the journey had really, how, where it, what, where things in my life were turning points mm -hmm. or like how my story went. Cause I remember it's interesting. And this is something that every person should think when they're young um, or should know when they're young is that I thought when I was young, when I was failing in my mind, I was failing. I wasn't accomplishing what I wanted in Hollywood 
I wasn't doing what, you know, they wanted me to do. I wasn't good enough. I always thought all these things. And I, I, you know, I thought, why couldn't I get this role or that role? And now that I have come all this way, I look back and say, if I, if I had gotten everything I wanted, if I had pleased Hollywood or I had done all that stuff, I wouldn't have a story and I wouldn't have my book and I wouldn't have the satisfaction of overcoming something. And so when you're young, I mean, things might not work out exactly right, but you know, if you, if you do, if you go in the right direction and are smart and, and, you know, see the long picture, uh, and I never, I never did. All I did was see the like Hollywood. I need to, I need to get auditions. I need to like win. I need to get roles. That's how I'm good. But now it's like, it's given me so much that I didn't get all those things. So I think in any act of life, aspect of life, you should remember that, especially the young people. How much does it mean to you that in a world that is kind of mean and nasty in this day and age, that the people who you most counted on never stopped supporting you? Because I saw in the dedication to your book, Hmm. something just so beautiful that sometimes things don't go that well, but you have a wonderful support system around you. I really do. I mean, I love my parents and my husband who has been with me all all the way through this. And he was uh, instrumental in supporting me because it could have gone another way with a husband who wouldn't want you to be doing all this stuff. And then I wouldn't be able to be who I am today. And I think he always, he's always really appreciated that and supported me in that way. And, and like my fans and stuff too, I just have such a unique group of people that does support me and has stayed with me every step of the way, no matter, you know, what aspect of life it's been. So I am looking people, yeah, people always assume like in porn, you have, oh, you must not have had a dad. I had a great dad. I love my dad. And, or you must not have had a normal childhood. I did. I was a shy, awkward little kid and I didn't know about sex. And I, uh, I didn't know about my sexuality and like, I was, you know, scared of everything. And I thought I had to keep secrets in order to be a good girl and all this stuff. But, but it was a very, it was pretty normal. It was very normal childhood. And, um, and I had, you know, definitely my grandmother was religious and strict but still, I love my grandma looking, you know, she, you know, uh, she is I just wonderful. And I just, I'm very, very fortunate in that way that I haven't had like hard times. I mean, I've had hard times, but not where I lost the support of those people, you know, the family unit, even though I'm an only child. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So I was the, the little spoiled girl <laughs> spoiled in a good way though I was never like a brat or anything <laughs> not all the time <laughs> you went from an industry that celebrates comedy and drama but also celebrates violence in a huge way right celebrates yeah. bad guys in a big way celebrates real tests of will and what's right and what's wrong. You go to an industry where you're able to show your authentic self. And yet so much of social media and the rest of the world 
is scared of it. They'll take a guy getting shot in the head. They can't take a woman enjoying the pleasure of something that is so beautiful. Yeah, that's a great point. Yeah. Yet, Maitland Ward, you are the American success story of (laughs) that. You have been able to traverse the trail from what everyone thinks you should see to what you want everybody to see of yourself. It's a beautiful story. I'm looking forward to actually getting in and reading (laughs) the entire book because the parts that I've read have been incredible. It comes out this month and I'm sure you are massively excited to share it with your fans. Oh, I'm so excited. They, uh, oh my gosh, they're going to love it. And and they were very much a part, a big part of it <laughs> these last years. It's, it's amazing. But yeah, that's very true. Uh, the the uh, the way that people are so like scared of like a nipple or whatever, but they're not scared of seeing like gun violence and war and like, all you know, just terrible violence on screen. Um, but any nudity or sex of anything is like, oh, it's just scandalous, but it's, yeah. And I think that's the final, not the final frontier, but it's a, well, kind of for women to be a fully whole and liberated too, is to be sexually empowered because we're still kept in boxes. If you're, you know, like looking at virginity, like is something as a, is something sacred you must keep. Or if, or if like you look at a woman who is confident in her sexuality and you call her a whore, you judge each other. Because if we were confident in our sexuality, everyone, but especially for uh, women, uh, there would be no like hold on you. And I think that's true in the fact that I would, had no shame when I came out and wanted to perform in porn. And, and I think that's why I get some respect too, because um, I don't have any shame and I'm proud of what I do. And I am, I'm, I'm just having the time of my life (laughs) and I look forward to the future. For all those little girls that are told to look up to all the Disney characters and be like them, young ladies and women, if you find the courage that Maitland Ward found Mm -hmm. to be their authentic self, that is how you find a role model. It has oh. been absolutely lovely having <laughs> you on the show. <laughs> it's been wonderful having you on the show. And I thank oh. you for sharing the time with me. Oh, thank you. It's been wonderful. And I send in kisses. <laughs> what a way to kick off season three of our show. And what a delightful woman Maitland Ward is. I was so proud of the fact she chose to spend some of her time sharing with me and sharing with you. We're just getting started, as in the upcoming weeks, we'll have more surprises and adventures as we journey towards the authenticity in all of us. I'm John, always known as Hi There Catsuit. I hope I've earned the privilege of your time, and I remind you to always remember consent and to love each other always. What women and other wonderful humans want connects with you. Join us on Twitter at WhatWomenWantP1, on Instagram at WhatWomenWantPodcast, for our kinky friends on FetLife at www.podcast, and now select shows are available in video format 
at youtube.com slash datingkinky. This has been a presentation of Dating Kinky, built by kinksters for kinksters, poly, queer, trans folk, and anyone not quite vanilla. And it's free. 